0: Taylor Walker from the Adelaide Crows and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Shannon Heard from the West Coast Eagles. This is Nathan Jones from the Melbourne Football Club. Phil Davis from the GOS Giant. That's Brad Eber from the Port Adelaide Football Club and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Just a couple of days away from the halfway mark of my 50 most relevant countdown. I hope you've been enjoying it. If you've just tuned in, maybe it's because the, the format you choose to play is open and you're like, okay, I better start my preseason now. The good news is there is a podcasts and a ton of them to go back and check out via Spotify and iTunes. Also, the articles at coachespanel.tv. Talking about the number 27 player today in my 50 most relevant, Brisbane Lion defender, Alex Witherden. Uh, to chat about this young lion, I've got Jimmy on the line. Hello, mate. How are you?
1: Hello, MJ. Hello, listeners. Good,
0: good. Let's talk about Alex because he is one of the most hyped defenders of the preseason so far. And the question is, is this worthwhile excitement or is there a little bit of froth and bubble and no substance behind it? He's just 20 years old, though, entering into his third year at the elite level of the game. He is a defender for us. And boy, oh boy, does this kid have some ceiling about him. Last year, his best score came against the Crows, 130-plus scores across all of your formats, 138 in Fantasy and Dream Team, and it was 131 in Supercoach. Another 80s average year with an 88 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team an 83.8 in Supercoach. Speaking of that format, he's priced at just over four hundred and fifty thousand. Well he's gonna set you back just over six hundred and thirty thousand in AFL fantasy and just below that in Dream Team. It's his third year into the system, and traditionally, if a player's ever gonna break out, if it's normally the third year, there are fourth year breakouts, but you know, there's enough kind of data to suggest that if a player is going to break out third year is one of those key years that frequently happens but i think it's safe to say jimmy when you look back at what he's been able to do over his past 30 games at the elite level he's kind of already broken out for us
1: he has yeah he's uh, he's performing as you know as, as well as a player who has been around for, for three four five years already so which um which is fantastic and and if you jumped on him last year as a a speculative option you were richly rewarded which um, and well done to those who did but uh, yeah coming into this year it's uh, just that bit of a question mark on how much further is he going to grow
0: well that is the ultimate question I think something that's taken place just over the past week or so from champion data will help as well as some natural development. But, yeah, let's go back to what he's been able to deliver so far as a fantasy player. In his debut season, uh, he made his debut in the side in round 14, and then from then on, he just didn't miss a game. In fact, in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team in 2017, he averaged 88. He got his first-ever tonne against the Eagles, and he didn't drop a score below 70. While in Supercoach, an average of 87, two tonnes, and his lowest score for that year was 69. Then you fast forward to what he was able to deliver last year for us. Probably a slower start, and what I mean by slower starts is the frequency and the ceiling of hundreds over those first four or five games wasn't there. In fact, in his opening 10 games of the year, uh, just the one AFL Fantasy and Dream Team ton, just the two in super coach but then towards the back end of the year that's when he really got cracking he averaged 88 for the year five tons his lowest ton by the way was 116 there's some nice ceiling but his last 10 healthy games of the year it was an average of 99.6 in Supercoach, 83 was his average for the year six tons and his last 10 games of the year where he played a full game another healthy average of 93.6. The reason we talk about it is cuz his final game of the year, round 22 and he was a popular upgrade at this point in time, hamstring injury injures his year and average a game where he just manages to get the 15 in dream team, 13 in super coach. Those are just They are the killers. That's what kills your ranks, doesn't it? Just that bad bit of luck. That's what kills you in those final matchups, just a bad bit of luck. And I know plenty of coaches that chose to upgrade to him that round and that kind of killed off their year. That's just the cruelty of fantasy footy, isn't it, Jimmy?
1: Oh, it is. And, yeah, there's really nothing much you can do about that. You can't ever really predict uh, if or when indeed it's going to happen. And, um, yeah, it it hurts when it does, but uh, I dare say he would have been hurting a bit more.
0: Yeah, well, that's it. Yeah, who cares? About it? In contrast to what he's doing, but <laughs> you look at you know that 99.6 over those last ten games in fantasy and 93.6 in supercoach. If he were to maintain that average and bring that into what's available to us at a price point or an average point, that would position him as the fourth defender in AFL fantasy and the eighth in Super Coach. And this is the excitement for coaches. Before we talk about any potential growth in him. That's what coaches get excited by. They look at, gosh, he's played 30 games and just his last 10, so a third of what he's done lately, he's putting himself as a top 5, 6, 7, 8 defender for the year. And that's why coaches are really excited about what he could do in 2019.
1: Oh, that's it. There's, a, there's an awful lot of hype about him from that point of view. And um, as, as you touched on, those rule changes, if that helps him get a couple more points again and a bit more natural development gets him... A, Another plus six across the back every week, and um, you yeah, know, look, he's he's right into genuine premium territory. But the um, yeah, the it, it is still a, a risk or a, a gamble, I guess. You know, you, you're picking him based on value. Uh, and what you're hoping he does, not necessarily what he has done.
0: Yeah, that that's correct. You know, you, we talk about this new rule change that's come in. There are multiple rule changes. One of them that's only just been confirmed over the past week is champion data have confirmed that with the kick in rules, uh, any player that uh, disposes of the ball by foot outside uh, of the goal square. That will be awarded um, a disposal as per normal, which uh, is a positive and a negative for super coaches. By the way, for AFL fantasy and dream teamers, th- is only upside for you in that. Uh, but there could be some potential downfall depending on how the disposal efficiency of that player goes. So you know, it's it's a blessing and a curse potentially. Uh, if any player disposes of the ball by hand in or out of the goal square, uh, that will count um, as their usual handball disposal. Again, depending on the efficiency. The reason we talk about this for Alex Witherden is last year he took 50% of all kick-ins for the Brisbane Football Club and played on close enough to 50% of the time. And so assuming he continues on that ratio of both of those things, and again, new rules, new year, some new players into the side, things can evolve and change. So it's purely speculative, but you'd probably think yet again, a little bit of a points bump if he continues to be that good user of the ball by foot which he is by the way um that he should get some form of a points bump just in that point let alone natural development
1: oh no no doubt at all and and i think it's the thing that you know and and because he is so young and that, you know, it, he does get that additional hype, you know, like we've seen with with uh, McRae and with Oliver and Crips. You know, when they start showing that potential early, um, we maybe get a little too excited, a little mm. too attached uh, before we should, rightly uh, or wrongly. Um, and look, sometimes they will pay off, and sometimes, um, yeah, it, it might not. Yeah, there, there is every chance he could stagnate, um, and that's something I guess we've got to be prepared for. But um, personally, I, I big big fan of the kit. Um, would love to own him in every keeper league if I could, but um, in terms of a, a salary cap format, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm just, I'm just a little hesitant.
0: It, he's a really intriguing one to place right now. He's ranked as the 26th defender in Supercoach. That's quite a substantial way off the pace. Now it's not. Um, as drastic in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team where he's ranked 10th based on his average point. And yes, that does include Sam Doherty who's in that average point ahead of him based on the discount he's given and now won't play for it. So you do need to amend it on that point of view. Uh, But it feels like, especially in SuperCoach, yes, he's a good user of the ball. Yes, he should get a points bump. But is it going to be enough um, to put it into that top, tier. That's the question mark coaches have to ask. And similarly with AFL Fantasy and Dream Team. Yes natural development means he should get better. Yes the kick-in rules means he should get a bump. But but here's probably the big question mark around him if, if there is one at all. is because everything points to a big jump of him becoming a mid-90s premium defender for us. Can you start with that? Given the guys like Laird and Lloyd are a very popular number one and two for coaches across all salary cap formats and then it's probably d3 coaches start to get creative that could be another premium it could be someone we revealed a few days ago like a cade simpson it could be a Lockie whitfield or a james Sicily. um it could be a Connor blakely um or it could be an alex witherden and then it could even be the guys we spoke about a week ago or so in the 50 most relevant the robertons the smiths the hanleys um that's the interesting point how coaches are going to build it because i feel like him at d2 in any format other than afl fantasy probably feels like i'm running a little bit thin but having him at a d4 probably feels like i'm running too deep
1: yeah and and that's a pretty fair assessment i think and and uh, it's it's great this year that we've got such a variety of um of premium or or close to premium options that we can choose from and when there are those um you know the yeah, you know, I think there's probably a good solid eight or nine solid options for that um D two to, to D three sort of mm. position and and you know, assuming we're not running premiums down to D four or five this year. It um which seems to be the common consensus so far, but um yeah, it's it means that there are going to be a lot of unique options and teams are going to look very different to each other because there is such a variety of choice for that one or two spots in your team.
0: So I'm curious, let's talk about that, because most teams are locking in Lloyd and Led early, just going, look, they're going to be there and thereabouts. If there's a drop in points, it's going to be small. If anything, coaches are quite um, anticipation of a points bump because of kick-ins, especially for Lloyd, um, should increase higher again. Could you or would you start in Dream Team and Supercoach, because AFL Fantasy is different. I'll get your thoughts on that in a sec. Would yep. you start Witherden ahead of either of those two or only in comp- as a complimentary option at D3? Yeah,
1: I, I, I agree with you. I think having Witherden at D2 makes the, it makes the team look thin, whether it is or isn't. It, it makes that back line look a little shaky. So I'm personally not a fan of that option at this point. Um, but yeah, and and I think yeah, if you you're running your first two options should be genuine premiums rather than a, a value pick you're expecting to break out. Yeah, um, I don't think anyone's starting five merit and Taylor Adams as, you know mid one two and three or two three and four even. It's uh, yeah, if you're picking them, you're picking them in that sort of middle range of that line um, to fill that gap between your your genuine premiums that you can lock in and then the the, the bottom end um, you know cash cows and, and mid prices to to fill it out at the other side. So. I think Witherden's in that same boat in the back one. Um, you're picking him, as you said, that your D3, maybe your D4 if um, if you're looking to spend a bit of that Tom Mitchell money somewhere. Yep. Um, and, yeah, you're locking in two genuine premium options, and whether that's Lloyd and Lead, or whether you're making that, um, you know, a Lead and, and Whitfield or, you know, one of that type of combination where yes. you can be pretty confident going, these guys are definitely going 90-plus, all else paying equal, um, and then you're looking at your other options beyond that. So... I think Witherden's in that conversation or very close to, but um, I wouldn't personally feel confident of putting him in at, at D1 or 2 to begin the season at this stage.
0: Yeah, we've got four defenders in Supercoach. That are priced at an average over a hundred, and and that's a bit unfair yeah. for Lockie Whitfield, who's at a ninety nine point nine, who who's yeah. in at number five, um. Whereas we've got just the three in AFL fantasy and dream team in Whitfield, Lloyd, and Lead. If if either of those three appear in the fifty most relevant, we'll talk about them then. But how coaches choose to structure that defensive line will very much determine whether or not they do or don't start with Alex Witherton. I think in AFL Fantasy, it's a little different where you can look for some more value opportunities and options and go, yep, get the big boys, absolutely when you can afford them, but also look to get premiums or people that can score um, higher than their average point considerably at at value of the price, and and you could build that case for Alex Witherton. So I'm intrigued to just see how many people go. Because for me right now, I find it really hard to justify putting him at a D3 um, and then one passing on the Whitfields, the Sicilies, the Simpsons, the Blakelys, you know, all of which maybe they're about to above him. But then the Zach Williams, the Brody Smith, the Pierce Hanley, the Dylan Robertson, the value we have here, it feels really hard to pass up on that. Because if you get too deep into that back line, you're clearly cutting thin in other lines.
1: Mm, yeah, no, I think that's the case. Um, in a in a draft sort of format, though, I think it's a very different story. Yes. Um, in that, uh, depending on how and when that initial run of premium defenders goes and whether you catch it or not, um, if you find yourself sitting there and uh, those first four or five defenders have all gone off the board while you've been picking mids and rucks and forwards, then... Um, I don't see an issue necessarily with having Whitfield as your first defender, if that's mm. how you choose to structure your team in a draft. Yeah. Um, because he's got that potential. He could well be at a 95-point level this year. Um, he might be at 85. or, or yeah, Who knows? But he's got that potential, and in the draft, that's as much what you're picking for as anything else. And so if um, if you're able to get him a little deeper, then that's brilliant. But I tend to think he's the sort of kid where, um, because of the hype that is about him that... Um, that value that people perceive on him at the moment, um, I think, yeah, he's he's going to go perhaps a little earlier than he should, but um, but I don't see any issue with rolling into a. Uh, a season-long draft with him as your first defender if that's what it comes to.
0: Yeah, certainly in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, I'm okay with that. Yes, and again, depending yeah, on sorry. what you've got about in about the about other lines, yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in Coach, I, I wouldn't want him any higher than a D2. Um, yeah. You know, d is probably where you need to get him because of the preseason hype about him and because of the development and what he was doing late towards the end of the year. Um, you start to go, okay, if you want him, you're going to have to use a D2 selection point. But there is so much value in our back lines this year. Um, it's going to be fascinating to see how people choose to draft these premium defenders. Because I do believe he'll, he'll increase his scoring. How much is the big question. How much these kick-in rules do or don't bump players points up that's the big unknown um, and it's purely speculative and based off last year's data but do some new um, variables come into the Brisbane Lions back Um, back line. I can't see them choosing to move him up the ground um, with the guys like a Matheson, a a Berry, a McCluggage. They're wanting to give more midfield responsibility to these guys along with Lockie Neal. Uh, I think they're like his elite disposal by foot coming off the back line, rebounding out of defensive 50. So I don't see a a midfield move for him, uh, maybe at least just yet. Um, Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm not too worried about that. But yeah, in a a draft, AFL Fantasy Dream Team, if he's my D1, I'm okay with that. Um, D2 is, is where I'd be happy to select him in Supercoach.
1: Yeah, no, I'd, I'd agree completely with that. Let's talk and, Keeper uh, League,
0: though, man, because I feel like he's going to have a real premium on him in Keeper Leagues, back-to-back 80 averages, entering into yeah. third year. If you own him, you're not getting rid of him.
1: No, no. I think it's exactly like what we were talking about with Canilio yesterday. His currency is as high as it's ever going to be at this point. Um, there's no need to trade him out if you've got him unless someone's willing to offer you something completely. Completely ridiculous, and uh, if you haven't got him, then you would need to offer something completely ridiculous to get him. Um, An interesting thing for you, though, Mm. um, I I just want to pitch at you, MJ. If you owned Witherden, and someone came at you and said, hey, do you want Tom Mitchell for him?
0: It would Would depend where my team was at. Yep. Yeah, in on, in all honesty, it depends where my team was at, how many keepers I've got to have throughout the year, um, what my midfield currently looks like, um, how keen or um likely do you believe he'll come back and go that 120 average again, or or will he be a you know, a slightly diminished player coming back from a broken leg, which we've certainly seen that happen to players that have. Um they don't normally um hit back the elite highs, but you know, Tom's still quite young in, in comparison, so I wouldn't be opposed to it. Um, depending on how many defenders I had to keep and uh, what the rest of my keeper looked like and if my midfield could really do with an injection and I wasn't in finals contention. If you're, if you're running a midfield that had guys like Pendlebury, Mark Murphy in there, um, you know Jack Stephen, if, if you've got these older premiums right now, well, you're probably in that window um, more than likely. So why are you getting rid of a likely top 10 defender for a guy that's not going to do anything for you? That's you know those are the variations that start coming in place. What about you, man?
1: Yeah, look, it's it, it's a funny one. It was an unfair question to throw at you without notice. But, that's fine. <laughs> it was, um, yeah. It, look, it's it is. Um, I think all of those variables come into play, and I think that's the thing that um, we've got to keep in mind with any of this keeper league discussion is that there there are so many different variables in uh, in each league settings, let alone the uh, the team that you might be running with within it and what the other team is running with uh, around you um, it's, there's very rarely a black or white answer of, of would or wouldn't, and I think um, on currency point of view they're probably not far off and it's really that the trade may either makes sense on a needs basis or it doesn't
0: Yeah, I, if I was the Tom Mitchell owner in all honesty, I'd want Alex with it and something else yeah, whether that be a, a, another player that's going to fill a line that I, I feel a little mm-hmm. bit lighter on, another high draft pick. I, I wouldn't be getting rid of Tom Mitchell cheap just because he's yeah. missing a year. If you were in a keeper league and held Brad Crouch last year, for example, mm-hmm. gosh, then you should be fine to hold Tom Mitchell. Now, if you need oh, to because absolutely. you want to be competitive, whatever the variations are, then then fine, make that decision, make that move. But yeah, I know plenty of coaches that held Brad Crouch through the year. Um, mm-hmm. Well, Tom Mitchell is probably the best fantasy player with the exception of Brody Grundy in the game when he's fit and firing. So I'd want Witherden an and some.
1: Oh, absolutely. You would. And then the guy who's holding with it more than likely to go, you know what? I think I'd rather keep the 20 year old defender. Who's probably going to average 95. Yep. And uh, it's a bit of a stalemate, but uh, it's all, all good fun to chat about these things, isn't it? Yes,
0: yeah, certainly is. Hey man, appreciate your thoughts today on uh, the young gun defender.
1: No worries, mate. Good
0: times. Uh, If you want to go and check out the article on Alex Witherden or any of the other players in the 50 Most Relevant, that is over at coachespanel.tv. While you're there, all the links to pledge and support and become a part of our Patreon, where you can get early and exclusive content. That is all there. And plenty of other articles and league codes. If you want to join the Nobel Coel, which is the Coaches Panel Coach of the Year Award, all of the league codes for all of the formats you can find there join them in the groups join them in the Open League for AFL Fantasy and uh, throughout the midweek podcast that will be commencing soon uh, we will explain exactly what the Nobel Coel is if you're new to the coaches panel real close to the halfway marker but who's at number 26